0: Tonight, Trudeau's liberals blame Donald Trump for anti-Semitism in Canada. I wish I were kidding. It's November 8th and you're watching The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon why consumer God. I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. You come you here once a, a year a with done a, done a done sign done. and you feel morally oh, superior. The only thing I have to say to the government but why I publish it It's because it's my bloody right to do so. I want to talk about bigotry today. The news peg is this outrageous story in the state broadcaster. Trump and other politicians empower anti-Semitism in Canada, says Liberal MP. And you can see under that it says comments come as Trudeau prepares to apologize in-house for 1939 decision to turn away Jewish refugees. Got it. Now, does that mean that Donald Trump, who was born in 1946, is responsible for the 1939 decision by Canada's Liberal Party to turn away a ship of Jewish refugees fleeing Hitler? That, that seems to be even a stretch for stretch for even the CBC. Now, let me read one more line, and I'll come back to this story in a moment. A liberal MP says U.S. President Donald Trump and other politicians who use intemperate language when referring to instances of racial discrimination or hate speech are empowering anti-Semitism in Canada. Oh, really? When people start saying that there were good people in a neo-Nazi rally at Charlottesville, when people start tolerating speech that attacked groups or communities anywhere in the world, it obviously empowers people here in Canada who hate to come forward and speak publicly of things that they would never have before said in public, Anthony Housefather told CBC News. So there it is, Uh, in case you're wondering, Donald Trump is to blame for the rise of hate in Justin Trudeau's Canada. I bet Donald Trump was also even responsible for the fact that, you know, this guy, the old neo-Nazi named Ernst Zundel, I think he's dead now, uh, you know, he ran for the leadership of the Liberal Party a few decades ago, and the Liberals allowed it. I think that was a Trump uh, plan also, that Trump and his racist time machine. Now, I think that the statement by this Liberal MP reflects the bigoted thinking of many people in the establishment in the United States and here in Canada, too. It certainly is the established view of the Liberal Party and of Justin Trudeau himself. And I think maybe this guy, Anthony Housefather, father, I think maybe he truly believes it in his bones. He's not just saying it as a partisan insult, and attack against his political enemy, which is how most accusations of racism are merely used. But let me read just one more line from this state broadcaster story. House Father made the comments as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau prepared to deliver an apology in the House of Commons today for the Canadian government's 1939 decision to turn away a ship carrying 907 German Jews seeking refuge from the Nazi regime. The Quebec MP said it's his hope... An expectation that Trudeau's apology will not only address the historical actions of the Canadian government, but confront contemporary anti-Semitism as well. (laughs) Hmm, really? Um, I find it hard to accept uh, that from a Trudeau liberal. uh, And I find it hard to accept that he's genuinely concerned about Hitlerism Mere weeks after Justin Trudeau ponied up $50 million of Canadian taxpayers' money to give to Hamas controlled hate schools in Gaza. Canada gives $50 million to UN Palestinian refugee agency, the US called Flawed. That's a Global Mail headline. Yeah, Flawed. Flawed. That's one word for it. The schools are run by the Hamas terrorist organization. And as we showed you the other week in our interview with UN Watch, um, you see this post here? This is just one example. Of teachers and administrators in these schools literally posting their praise for Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. This is who gave, that's who got the 50 mil. I'm not really interested in Justin Trudeau making another tearful apology about something that happened almost hundred years ago while he funds anti-semitism and Hitlerism today. It's fake. It's fake, this perpetual apology tour that he's on. Every week, another apology. Last week, he was apologizing for something done to an Indian band in British Columbia before 1867, before Canada was even a country. Trudeau is really, really good at apologizing for what other people in other eras did, isn't he? And turning it into a photo op for himself. Oh, isn't that wonderful? He just happened to bring along his staff photographer to capture that. You can see this picture is really about him being apologetic. I don't see any of the Indians there because they're not really the story. The story is the selfie boy. Hey, but by the way, he's not really so good at apologizing for his own conduct, is he? And in a way, that's really the only apology that really matters. I could spend all day apologizing for what you did and you did and you did. Uh, It's tough to apologize for what I did. Trudeau has not done that. Now, I accept that anti-Semitism is on the increase in Western civilization. I think that is sometimes exaggerated by ambulance chasers, professional grievance groups like the Human Rights Commission. In the United States, the Anti-Defamation League, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, the Anti-Defamation League, was used to be a pro-Israel, pro-Jewish organization, now it's run by a former senior Obama staffer. And it's really just a fundraising device a partisan weapon to smear Republicans. But despite those leftist hucksters and the hoaxers, I actually do believe anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, is rising in the West. But it's not from Trump or his supporters. It's from a different source, a different text, it's from the Quran. It's mainly Muslim extremists and for some reason, Anthony Howe's father doesn't mention that. Uh, Maybe he's fine with that, or maybe he's just scared to talk about it, or maybe he doesn't know about it. But look at these two leading Democrats. Uh, That's Barack Hussein Obama in the middle, and on the right, that is Louis Farrakhan, the leader of a black analog of the KKK called the Nation of Islam. Now, for some reason, this photo, I don't know what the reason possibly could have been, it was not released until after Obama's second term was over. I wonder why. I don't wonder why. I think he just needed Jewish donor money too much to show his true colors till after the elections were over. Now, here's Louis Farrakhan, Muslim extremist, Democrat favorite. Take a listen.
1: Now, white folk don't like Farrakhan. Some of them respect me. That's right. But those who have been our deceivers, they can't stand me. I'm not mad with you. In fact, to the members of the Jewish community that don't like me, thank you very much for putting my name all over the planet because of your fear of what we represent can go anywhere in the world, and they've heard of Farrakhan. Thank you very much. I'm not mad at you, because you're so stupid. Don't you know, my teacher Elijah Muhammad taught me one day, he said there once was a donkey that fell in the ditch. They came along, they picked up a stone and threw it at the donkey. They threw so many stones till the ditch got filled up and the donkey walked out. So my teacher said, brother, remember, every knock is a boost. So when they talk about Farrakhan, Call me a hater. You know what they do. Yeah. Call me an anti-Semite. Stop it. I'm anti-termite.
0: <laughs> yeah, anti-termite. Uh, that's great. Um, that wasn't from 1939. That was this year. And he tweeted that video. That's how I saw it. He's not banned from Twitter. He's, he's not bad, Of course not. And, and leading Democrats, including Bill Clinton. Look at that. This was just... A few months ago, at Aretha Franklin's funeral, that's Louis Farrakhan on left, that's Al Sharpton, that's Jesse Jackson, and that's Bill Clinton, and they were happy to sit with him, and pose for this photo. I can assure you that in most fo- uh, newspapers, they cropped out Bill Clinton. They were doing him a favor. Uh, that's basically your Black David Duke right there. Now, there's Muslim anti-Semitism. Uh, in, in Europe, it's all over Europe. Murderous, not just rhetorical. Uh, Jews are fleeing France because of kidnapping and torture and murder and, and terrorism. Um, Jews are fleeing France at a rate not seen since 1940. Uh, the same Muslim uh, anti-Semitism is in the UK too. And now it's coming to America and Canada. Here, let's talk about America because Anthony Housefather, the MP from Montreal, is apparently an expert in hate crimes in America. Let's, let's read the liberal New York Times. Uh, they recently did a story with this unusual headline, is it safe to be Jewish in New York? It sounds like a joke, right? It sounds like saying, is it safe to be gay in San Francisco? Uh, the answer is actually, Jews are getting attacked an awful lot in New York, but not by people wearing Trump hats. Let me read from the New York Times. This is the leftist Bible. I bet you Anthony Housefather reads it in Montreal because he's that kind of guy. Uh, He hates Trump. They hate Trump. He hates conservatives. They hate conservatives. Let's read what the New York Times says. If anti-Semitism bypasses consideration as a serious problem in New York, it is to some extent because it refuses to conform to an easy narrative with a single ideological enemy. During the past 22 months, not one person caught or identified as the aggressor in an anti-Semitic hate crime has been associated with a far right-wing group, Mark Molinari, commanding officer of the police department's hate crimes task force told me. Really? So not one anti-Semitic attack in all of New York was by a right-winger, or some white supremacist Trumpy guy? No, no. No. You saw that. Thousand-person crowd in Detroit. There, sorry, it's it's Muslims or other radicalized Black activists often, or new <laughs> new immigrants. I'm sorry, it's not it's not your traditional right-wing domestic folks. Uh, I don't know if you remember Al Sharpton himself. He's not Muslim. He historically whipped up a riot against Jews in a neighborhood called Crown Heights. Riots and murders right in New York City. Al Sharpton, a high-ranking Democrat. Countless visits to the Obama White House. He has his own show on cable news. He wrote to the left, it's tough to talk about black anti-Semitism. It's tough to talk about Muslim anti-Semitism. The New York Times sort of whispered it. And that anti-Semitism is within Trudeau's own Liberal Party these days. Trudeau's Muslim liaison, an MP and a junior cabinet minister, Omar al-Jabra, used to run the anti-Semitic Canadian Arab Foundation. That is a group that actively called for the legalization of Hamas and Hezbollah. Those are to- two anti-Semitic terrorist groups. Trump didn't do that. A Trudeau liberal did that, and he was promoted for it. I wonder why Anthony How's father didn't mention that. Weird things are happening under Trudeau. You know, Trudeau unveiled um, uh, a memorial for the Holocaust in Ottawa, which is great, I think. But how do you manage to do that without having the word Jews or anti-Semitism anywhere in the memorial. How do you memorialize the Holocaust without saying the word Jew? How do you, it's like having a museum about American slavery without saying the word black. But look, the CBC loved the story. In fact, can I show you something funny here? Look at the website address. <clears throat> you know, right at the top of a web page, you have that little URL, it's called, for the story. Um, if, you see the words there? CBC News Politics Trump... Corbyn anti-Semitism, as in Jeremy Corbyn, the truly anti-Semitic labor leader in the United Kingdom. And it's true. Look at Jeremy Corbyn literally standing next to Hezbollah terrorist flag. You can make out the machine gun on the flag there. Oh, he also laid a wreath for Hamas terrorists too. So this story, as outrageous as it is on the CBC, it was originally titled in a way to blame both Trump and Corbyn for anti-Semitism, but some CBC political hygienists said, no, 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 we're taking a run at Trump here. If you must leave in something about Corbyn, put those details way down at the bottom of the story. Take it out of the headline. We're taking a run at Trump here. But you can see the history of that piece, can't you? Donald Trump, whose daughter converted to Judaism, And married a Jewish man and has Jewish kids. Trump has Jewish grandkids. Trump, who moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. Trump, who helped wipe out ISIS. Trump, the most pro-Israel president in history, with the possible exception of President Truman, who helped create the modern state of Israel. He's the anti-Semite? No, he's not. And by the way, the anti-Semite who shot up that Pittsburgh synagogue a couple of weeks ago, he was a Trump hater. Just like Anthony House, father's a Trump hater, except the murderer in Pittsburgh thought Trump was too pro-Jewish. But both House father and the murderer agree that Trump is evil. Can I give you a bit of a diagnosis here? Can I pull the camera a little bit back? You know, I think sometimes city people <clears throat> think country people are more bigoted. Fancy people think the common people are bigoted. I, I detect that. But don't you think that's a form of bigotry in itself? I put it to you that country people and severely normal people know more about city people or fancy people than the reverse because all the media, so much of the culture, is generated in the big cities, the big cosmopolitan liberal cities. We all have to know about Lena Dunham and Beyonce and Saturday Night Live. Every right-winger, whether you're in a city or in a small town, you know about the liberals because we all have to watch their movies and their TV and their comedy. So we all had to watch this awful Awful joke that the fancy people laughed at.
1: This guy's kind of cool. Dan Crenshaw. Uh, Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Uh, You may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I know he lost his eye in in war or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, war or whatever, you know.
0: Hilarious. Um, By the way, the fellow with the patch, um, he's a former Marine who lost his eye to the Taliban. And that giggling fool mocked it. That Marine, by the way, won his election to Congress on Tuesday. Now, that joke is gross, but the grossest thing, you don't even know it watching it, that comedian himself, you're not going to believe this, he lost his dad on 9-11. But he's so full of hate... For the guy who actually joined the military, actually fought against terrorism, because he was a Republican. So that foolish, giggling comedian mocked the man's sacrifice. He went to fight the terrorists while that buffoon giggled at him. His own dad was killed. So yeah, like I say, we all know way too much about liberals. But I put it to you, the reverse is not true. Can you give me one more minute for a detour on this? Look, there's a great quiz. I think I've shown you before. You can find it online pretty quickly. Google bubble cri- quiz. It's it's by Professor Charles Murray, who wrote a book called Coming Apart. And if you go through the questions, there's 25 of them. Uh, it's it's it really. I mean, the book really talks about how high income, high achievement people in our meritocracy they all move to the same neighborhoods. They live together, they work together, they get married together, so they're sort of self-selecting themselves away from the normies, from the normal people, and these elites are living in bubbles. Now, these are talented people, they really are smart, they're high achiever, but, but Professor Murray's point is that while they claim to be open-minded, they're not really, they don't know anyone who's not like them, because they're all living in Manhattan or, or Hollywood or whatever. They, they may claim that they support working-class people, but they've never been on a factory floor, let her own, worked on one. They they claim to be multicultural, but they actually don't, for example, have a single friend who is, say, an evangelical Christian. Lots of interesting little questions in the quiz. I encourage you to find it. Here's an interesting one. During the last month, have you voluntarily hung out with people who were smoking cigarettes? Isn't that interesting? That's a funny one, isn't it? For the elites, the answer isn't just no, it's no, said with disgust. Oh, no, no. I mean, cigars are sorta of cool for fancy people and pipes are totally hip, but cigarettes, so low class. Here's another one, in the last five years have you ever gone fishing? I'm not gonna go through the whole quiz, but I recommend you do. It's not a judgmental quiz. It just forces fancy people to realize that they really don't know a lot about how the other half lives. Now it was written about America and the economic and class divisions there, but I, I think it's a proxy for political divisions too. I mean, look at this. Um, the wealthy liberal coastal elites who push left, that's the blue counties on this map, and those Neanderthal flyover country Republicans of the heartland, that's the red counties. That really is the narrative of the media, isn't it? It's not quite as bad in Canada, but it is here too, and in some ways it's worse. In the U.S., New York and Hollywood dominate the culture But there's Dallas, and Miami, and Chicago, and Seattle, and there's other places that counterbalance New York. Here in Canada, it's pretty much all Toronto, with a tip of the hat to Montreal when it comes to ideas, news, politics. It's a sort of a tyranny from one town, some neighborhoods in that town. And my point about all this is so many of our cultural and political and media institutions are biased against Western Canada, the regions, the politics of those places. Christians. Not just consciously, like the CBC is, but often unconsciously, because the fancy people live in a bubble, as Charles Murray would say. They literally have never been west of Hamilton. Uh, They don't know a single true Bible-believing Christian. They don't have a source of information other than the left-wing Toronto Star and the CBC. Donald Trump is not and anti-Semite. Republicans are not the party of anti-Semitism. They're the only party of pro-Israel anymore. Donald Trump is not whipping up anti-Semitism, other than the odd wacko who thinks Trump is far too Jewy. Justin Trudeau is not a philo-Semite. We're not stupid enough to think that his crocodile tears about something he's apologizing for 80 years ago means that Trudeau is suddenly a friend of the Jews today. Not the guy who gave $10 million to a terrorist named Omar Khadr. And right-wingers are not the threat to the world's Jews today. Muslim extremists are. Louis Farrakhan is. Omar al-Jabra is. Every radical mosque where Trudeau campaigns is. Every failed state that Trudeau dumps our foreign aid money on is. And they're invited, and then he invited their unvetted migration. I'm concerned about anti Semitism because I'm a Canadian and because I'm a Jew. Donald Trump is not the cause of anti Semitism. And I won't say Justin Trudeau is, but too many of his decisions are. Stay with us for more.
2: in my Stay in your flat. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm coming
1: to get you. Sam! Can you go and block the bottom flat? Look at him hanging around. Look at him hanging around. Look at Sarah. Who's coming? Here he goes. No, you're
2: getting thrown off the You're getting up on her. She's coming. Stop yourself.
1: She's coming. Oh, help!
0: Well, that is some homemade cell phone video footage of an effigy being burned in the United Kingdom. They have a tradition uh, on Guy Fawkes Day to burn effigies, whether it's of political figures like Donald Trump or Boris Johnson. In this case, though, it was an effigy of a large apartment building called Grenfell Towers, where... Not too long ago in the United Kingdom, there was a terrible fire and more than 70 people died. It was a joke, I suppose. I heard the laughter, is it a joke in bad taste? I think most of us can say yes. But in the United Kingdom, it's also a crime. And police, in fact, are considering charges, or perhaps have already laid them, we'll find out in a moment, against six people for I think the crime of of laughing, I don't know what the crime was, the burning, the laughing, the arts and craftsiness, six men were arrested. Joining us now to talk about this is someone who knows a thing or two about being arrested for telling a joke that maybe isn't to everyone's taste. I'm talking about the internet personality by the nickname Count Dankula, who you might recall trained his fiance's dog to raise a paw when he said Heil Hitler. A, an off-color joke for sure, but he did it because he wanted to, uh, you know, f- pull a prank on his loved one to make his her dog less lovable. He was prosecuted, convicted, and fined for that bad joke. Are you allowed to make bad jokes in the United Kingdom? Joining us now via Skype from the Glasgow area is Count Dankula, also known as Mark Meek. And Mark, great to see you again. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be back, man. How you doing? Very well. Did I properly retell the story of, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you really are the world's expert at being <coughs> prosecuted by police for telling a joke that might be a bit off color. Not everyone would find the joke funny, but it is a joke.
2: Yeah. At the end of, at the, end of the day, what I did was a joke, and I feel the exact same way about this Grenfell business with the gentleman that burned the effigy. Um, And if if people want to call it a bad taste joke, absolutely, I completely get it. The Grenfell incident is still quite fresh in a lot of people's minds, Um, but, Them receiving condemnation for what they did, which they they in fact did when the video was doing the rounds on Facebook. People were saying it's disgusting, it's horrible, it's abhorrent, and they were really, really attacking the act and the people involved, which is fine. That is just social consequences over what they did. But the fact that the police are now involved in this is something that is extremely frightening because the only thing that they did was cause offence that that is the only thing i can imagine being the crime like they they did it on private property they did it in their own backyard and i think the thing that they may possibly have been arrested over i don't know if it was the act itself but it may be similar to my case where for example me creating the video and starting in my own video that wasn't the crime it was the posting it online that the police treated as the crime so it might be it might be a case of that's why these men were arrested because the video was posted and I think they might the police might be trying to discover out of the six men who were arrested, which one of you posted the video. And I think the fact that all six of them are getting charged means that not one of them is fessed up to who posted the video. Hmm. I think that may possibly be the case. Isn't that funny? Um, you know what?
0: I, I can only imagine if you had a loved one who died in that fire, you think it would be in bad taste. I mean, I, I suppose an analogy would be if you had the twin towers of the World Trade Center, if you burned them in effigy on Guy Fawkes Day, I could imagine a lot of Americans and a lot of people around the world would say that's in very bad taste. And and in fact, we do see examples of people wearing Osama bin Laden T-shirts. Not, not so much these days, and I think we can say that's odious, if that's our view, but to prosecute, to arrest and prosecute, you telling me just before we turn the camera on um, that you have information that these men's houses were searched. Tell me, tell me what you heard about that.
2: Well, there was even uh, pictures and stuff like that as well. Apparently the police uh, searched an address. Um, I, don't, I think it may possibly have been the address that the video was filmed at, and the police were seen leaving the address with the uh, bin bags, you know, full of items, and most of most of the items looked like arts and crafts type stuff that they obviously used to construct the effigy. That's what it seemed. They, they even went through the guy's trash to actually, you know, get, gather more evidence. But the the thing that bothers me with that is they're trying to prove that they in fact built the effigy. Now I don't know if. The building of the effigy and the burning of it itself is being treated as as a crime. Then that's if that is the case. Then that is extremely worrying because that's something that they did on their own private property. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, and, that's and the thing. I mean, so many different parts. Of it is the laughing the crime. I mean, if they cried about it or wailed about it and say, we, we remember you, we think of you, our hearts are with you. It would be bizarre to to burn it, I suppose. But there's so many things. Is the arts and crafts the crime? Is having the, is laughing instead of crying the crime, as you say, is uploading it to the internet, which I'm sure they did to their own Facebook pages for their own friends to see. The fact that police I mean, I know there's 23,000 jihadis in the United Kingdom that are being tracked, 3,000 of whom are being tracked by security forces 24-7. The fact that police are being pulled off of that work to search for arts and crafts and glue and cardboard and paper, that's an embarrassment to the United Kingdom. Uh, Mark, what what do you... I mean, you're, you're from the country that gave the world the Magna Carta, the rule of law was perfected in the United Kingdom. Freedom is is a British inheritance that all of us in the colonies have. How do you feel about your country sending in SWAT teams to dig through garbage cans, looking for kids' glue and cardboard?
2: When, whenever you used to hear people say, oh, we're living in a police state, we're living in a police state, you used, you used to roll your eyes whenever you heard such comments, but now we're getting to the, pa- the place where A lot less people are rolling their eyes a lot of people are starting to believe that that is the case i mean this is just complete overzealousness by the police but i don't blame the police themselves directly um because uh, they need to do what their higher-ups tell them and from some of the active serving police officers that i've spoken to they feel that their entire You know, their entire job is now being treated as a joke. They want to go out and catch real criminals, but instead they find themselves arresting people over hurting people's feelings or over tweets and stuff like that. And it's the case of, actually, you know, the London London crime, especially in regards to stabbings and acid attacks, is skyrocketing. It's absolutely skyrocketing, but we've got the police wasting their time on stuff like this because people hurt someone's feelings. I mean, I would rather, I would much rather the police go and investigate an attempted murder with a knife yeah. than a group of people having a laugh hurting someone's feelings like yeah. that's, Yeah, that just shows it's a complete, absolute waste of taxpayer money and police resources. That's what this is. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I mean,
0: I've been following the Tommy Robinson case. I know you know Tommy too. Uh, there yeah. was, when Donald Trump came to the UK there were pro and con protests. And maybe we can find a clip and put it up here. There was a pro-Donald Trump protest in London. It was smaller than the anti-Trump protest, of course. And some. And there was this little blimp that made fun of Trump. And it was sort of funny, but it, you know, it was no big deal. It was an effigy. Someone at the pro-Trump mini protest had a Peppa Pig uh, balloon. Peppa Pig is a kid's character. And they put, Uh, The mayor of London sat at Cannes' face on it, and police decided that that was inappropriate, and they literally charged the protesters on horseback.
1: A balloon catches the eye of the police. It's clearly a response to the baby blimp flown by the anti-Trump protesters the previous day. But the police decide that Peppa Pig crosses a line.
0: I mean, there was no crime there. No one was hurt. It's just so odd that a Trump blimp is okay, but a Sadek Khan balloon isn't. Burning the Grenfell Towers in effigy is not okay, but burning, I don't know, Boris Johnson an effigy is. It's, it's, it's absurd that any jokes are being prosecuted, but it seems like it's always one side that's not allowed to laugh.
2: Yeah. You you'll notice that most of the time these laws are used against people that you know wouldn't even wouldn't even be far right. Most of the time they aren't far right. Most of the time it's people who are you know center light or center right or even center that are subject to these laws. Um, yeah, it's it's happening an awful lot. I mean, like for example, you get you get people that are like anti fire protests and everything sending you know death threats threatening to hurt people and stuff like that, and nothing happens to them absolutely nothing happens to them i mean we've even had several incidents all over the uk of antifa acting violently threatening people throwing rocks throwing bottles all that type of stuff and there's no arrest but see during the free tommy protests when there was a few violent incidents well more than a few that those events did get violent see within days the police had all of them the police grabbed every single person that was violent and they've never done that with antifa yeah and that that no, that was the incident that proved to me that the police are operating with a bias. Yeah. They are operating with a political bias here. Anyone on the right needs to walk on eggshells. Anyone on the far left gets away with anything that they want to do as long as it supports a political agenda.
0: Yeah, I think it was Orwell, I'm going from memory, who said, every joke is a little revolution. And yes. and I because if you're laughing at something, you're probably laughing at some uh, form of power social power political power some authority um and i get that and and on the other side i mean i know solzhenitsyn was sent to the gulag for just making a a joke in a letter about stalin's mustache and ayatollah khomeini said there is no there are no jokes in islam there are some authoritarian doctrines that don't allow humor have we have we lost that? I mean, I used to think of the United Kingdom as a place that was really safe for eccentrics. You know, they're sort of the lovable British eccentric. And even British comedy was really goofy, whether it was Monty Python or, or whatever. It, does that even Could you even have a Mr. Bean or a Monty Python anymore?
2: See, see if the Monty Python crew wanted to make the same jokes that they made now, uh, they would be completely stripped from the TV. They would be completely stripped from the movies. Like, for example, one of my... All-time favorite movies, Blazing Saddles by Mel Brooks. Yeah. Now, can you can you imagine if Mel Brooks tried to release such a movie today? Yeah. Well, it would be absolutely annihilated by the media. Yeah. yeah. Basically, it's a case of that type of comedy. We now live in a world where that type of comedy it just can't exist anymore because people people's feelings just won't allow it. And it's a case of even though people like us genuinely enjoy that type of comedy, we are not allowed to have it just in case it offends some other people. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, you're making me remember as a kid watching Monty Python movies like The Life of Brian. That, I mean, if, if you had sensitivities about the Christian faith, that would prick you. I mean, you could laugh along with it, or you could not. But the idea that The Life of Brian could be made about the life of Mohammed... It's unthinkable. No one would want to touch it. No studio, no cameraman, no actors, no financiers. No one would dare do a movie like The Life of Brian about the life of Mohammed. It's just, I feel like we've lost a little bit. Last word to you, Mark. Do do you think that we're going to see more of this? Or do you think we're going to reach a breaking point where ordinary people say, the hell with it. I'm not going to bend the knee to this insane Social control. I'm done being scolded. I think Tommy has been stubborn that way. But do you think? Do you think someone more mainstream might just finally say, "The hell with it. I'm not bending the knee."
2: I'm, I'm starting to hope that they will. Uh, a lot of uh, you've obviously seen it, especially with the uh, you know Trump derangement syndrome among uh, you know far left you know left wing personalities all throughout the the U.S. Uh, we've certainly got the exact same thing here, where uh, you know virtue signaling against the right you know, is seen as a sort of way to score social points, uh, even though you see comedians doing it, even though they're technically damaging their own industry. You know, if they support such things, then what they're doing is basically removing their ability to say so many different types of jokes. And like you said yourself earlier, things like satire and parody and comedy are very, very important because see if you do it against the state or any type of authority or any type of power, it almost delegitimizes their power a little bit. It makes them less scary. You know, it makes it seem like you can, you know, the, the jester was allowed to make jokes about the king. And that was all about optics. You see, the king's a nice guy. You can make jokes about him like that's, And that, that is literally all it was. But we are going down a path where that is now being stripped away. And it all starts with little baby steps, you know, like me, like with Grenfell. But it never ends. Yeah. It never ends there. It will keep going. I mean, even in Saudi Arabia right now, they've just introduced a five-year sentence for satire. Wow. And that's, that's, the, that's the path we're on. That's the path that we are heading towards just now. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I said that would be the last
2: word, but you said
0: something so interesting, I wanna come back to it. You mentioned the <laughs> jester, that's the British tradition. And I take your point, it made the king look human and gentle, but it also served an important role for the king because the jester could speak truth that everyone else was too cowardly to do. He could say things to the king uh, that the king needed to hear. So, yes, it served the king's purpose to say, oh, look, you can make fun of me and, I, and I'm not going to kill you, or at least this one protected person, or the jester. But the jester could also give the king the kind of feedback that he needed to hear to keep him down to earth. Uh, I think it served the king extremely well, like those slaves whispering in the ears of Roman generals, you are just mortal. I think the jester served an important purpose for the health of the state. That's my view. On it. I'm so glad you mentioned the jester. It's a, that's a free speech role that goes back centuries in the United Kingdom. We need more jesters.
2: Well, uh, we're now, we're, we've now arrived to the point where we're putting the jesters in handcuffs.
0: Yeah. Well, that's exactly where we are. Listen, Mark or Count Dankula, as you're known popularly on the web, it's great to talk with you again. Uh, And unfortunately, I get the feeling we're going to have to chat with each other more in the months ahead, because the war (laughs) on politically incorrect comedy is certainly not over yet.
2: Definitely not. We've We've got a long way to go to fix this mess.
0: All right. Well, great to talk to you. Thanks for making the time.
2: Thanks, man. You too. All right. That is
0: Mark Meekin, also known as Count Dankula, who's a fighter for free speech, having been a victim of a political prosecution himself. Stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. Hey, welcome back on my monologue yesterday about the results of the midterm elections in America. Robert writes... The loss of 27 seats in the House was no big deal, as most of those particular representatives were never on the Trump train to start with. The remaining Republican House representatives are now better off. Well, Trump was joking a bit about that at his press conference, that some of his worst critics chose not to run again. They thought they would get slaughtered in the blue wave. They didn't. They just chose not to run again, or some of them lost. Uh, I think you're right. I think it truly is Trump's Republican Party now, uh, and it wasn't that way two years ago. Bruce writes, thanks to this show, I feel better about the midterm elections. Like you pointed out, Ezra presidents usually lose big in midterms. This was sort of a half and half victory where Trump lost some battles while winning others. And also, like you said, 2020 is a crucial election. I hope and pray the Democrats totally lose it in every possible way. Well, that's the thing. For the next two years, there's going to be bad news coming out of this election. You're going to see all sorts of ginned up investigations and subpoenas and hearings into Trump and the Trump Organization and every conspiracy theory that Michael Avenatti can cook up. You're going to have that distraction. And who knows, you throw enough mud at the wall, something's going to stick. But as I said yesterday, that's what Kavanaugh was all about. The left couldn't control itself. An ordinary American said, oh, my God. So you're going to have a foil to Donald Trump now. And her name is Nancy Pelosi. And I really don't think she's beloved in, by independence in America. I just don't think she is. Um, Maxine Waters, uh, some of these far left, the kind of people who hang out with Louis Farrakhan. They're going to have the mic a lot more in the next two years. And if they stay on their track. If they actually live down to Donald Trump's motto, jobs versus mobs, if they really do consort with mobs, encourage mobs, act like a mob themselves, I think that could backfire on them in 2020. It's hard to say, isn't it? It's uh, the most exciting political time in a generation, I think. Trump is endlessly entertaining, uh, but underneath the entertainment, I actually think he's got ideas. Uh, Ideas on immigration, ideas on foreign policy, trade, um, ideas on the limits of government, ideas on states' rights. There's a lot of things he actually, you know, people say Trump is all about style, and he's got a surfeit of style. Uh, And journalists love chasing style. I mean, look at yesterday with his press conference, how that's all the media would talk about themselves, 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 and how they relate to Trump. But under the bluster, you must admit that from an idea point of view, he's been a very substantive president. Name me an idea that the Democrats have today. I suppose they're hanging on to Obama's Iran deal, but not even, I don't know. Can you tell me where the Democrats are on trade? Can, I can't really, can you tell me where they are on, okay, they're against energy and they're for racial identity, but I put it to you that Trump actually is an ideas president with a clear foreign policy, a clear domestic policy, clear immigration policy, and I think it's going to be a hell of a ride for two years. And I promise we will give you coverage of it that you will not find anywhere else in this country. The only journalist in the country who regularly writes about Trump with any sort of fairness other than the rebel is our friend Conrad Black. And um, he's a lonely voice uh, in Canada on that regard, even at his own former paper, a uh, paper he formerly on the National Post. Well, uh, I just want to read one more letter on my interview with Joel Pollack. Liza writes... Acosta can cry foul all he wants. It's on video. His arm came down on that girl as she reached for the mic. He had no business touching her in an attempt to block her. Yeah, if you, if you slow down that video, Jim Acosta of CNN, you know, there was a, a White House intern reaching for the mic, and he pushed it down twice. He didn't punch her. It surely didn't hurt her, but he pushed her away, and you just don't do that. You just don't do that when you're a grown man in someone else's house call it the White House, someone else's event, it's a press conference. And you know, you don't have to respect Donald Trump as a man. But I think you do have to respect the presidency as an office. The reason all those people were gathered in that room as they do all the time when Trump has a press conference is not because of Trump himself. That's what makes it so unpredictable and entertaining and, and riveting. But they're actually there because of the office itself. And that, that's why people in that room are wearing suits and ties to show respect for the office itself. That's why Trump himself dresses that way. I suppose he always wears a suit. Jim Acosta, I get it. He's an activist, advocate journalist. Sometimes I'm that way too. But i tell you one thing. If there were a journalist in Canada that refused to give the mic back, that kept shouting at the prime minister after he was done, he would be depersoned, unplatformed. He'd be fired. Well, we wouldn't even dream of criticizing Trudeau in the way that Acosta criticized Trump. All right, folks, that's our show for today. Uh, Tomorrow, you know what? Remembrance Day is on a Sunday this year. and I always like to talk a little bit about Remembrance Day on the day, but this year I'll be back on a Monday, the 12th, and I think think I'm going to talk about Remembrance Day tomorrow. My tradition is I read the poem called Tommy Atkins by Rudyard Kipling. I've been listening to a song a little bit. I'll, I'll read the Tommy Atkins poem. I like doing that once a year. But there's also a song uh, that makes me sad, uh, which I think is how you should feel on Remembrance Day. And I'll play it for you tomorrow. Not the whole thing, because it's a little bit long. And uh, so, I'll have that. so tune in tomorrow uh, for some Remembrance Day talk, and uh, we'll have a lot more, as we always do. Until then, on behalf of Wallace here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.